Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hi, welcome to Unsheathed number 24. I'm Kyle Gold. I am Cam Hirosaki. And we are back in our secure, undisclosed mountain bunker retreat location. It's nice to get back to form. And to be podcasting at a decent hour again, yeah. not at one in the morning from Hotel High Top of the Strip. Yeah, and uh, replacing the uh, traditional podcast wine with podcasting Guinness at Undark 30 was not a good idea. Yeah, no. I'm back to my Coke Zero. And uh, I'm currently enjoying a... Uh, a Zinfandel from Sterling Vineyards. It's actually probably the one of the more mellow and mild Zins I've had, but it's pretty good. So we're all uh, lubricated in our traditional fashion and ready to bring you another half hour of questions and news and whatnot. Yeah. In true otter fashion, I have come pre-lubricated for your pleasure. <laughs> oh, otters. Uh, is there anything they can't do? Let me get back Don't to answer on that. that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're very excited about the upcoming Further Confusion. Yes. We're going to be doing an Unsheathed podcast live. It'll yeah. be Saturday night at 10 p.m. I'm really looking forward to that. They're, uh, after thinking about just the experience we've had with live shows uh, in the past, that's uh, one of the things I look forward to most about going to cons now is doing our show. So. I know. I'm very excited about it, too. And we're very happy and um, very Thankful to the staff of Further Confusion for allowing us to go on and do the podcast. Um, so be sure and show up. If you're a regular listener and you're going to be in uh, at the convention, show up and bring questions and enthusiasm and your clapping paws. Yes, your clapping paws, which uh, which sound great, by the way, when we play them back. Yeah, I, uh, I, got, such a, I got such a kick out of listening to the, uh, the Rainforest and the uh, MFF, or sorry, the uh, FFM. Right. Uh, episodes. Yeah, FFM was a small audience, but they were enthusiastic, and uh, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, I've also got uh, a reading. I have a book coming out for Confusion. And uh, we actually plan to sit down. Uh, I'm going to get Rikoshi on the show, and we're going to talk about the two books we have coming out at Further Confusion. His is called The Seventh Chakra, and it's quite good. Uh, mine is called Shadow of the Father, and it is a... Another story in the world of Argea, where the Vol series took place. So fans of that world should be pretty happy. Yeah, I was going to say the other reason I'm really excited about FC is that we've got a pretty good uh, furry literature con coming up. There's a lot of uh, releases coming out. There are. Got, there's, uh, there's those two books. There's those two books. I think Fur Planet has one new novel, at least. Fur Planet, I believe, has two, if I remember correctly. And they also have Roar Volume, too. There's one from Siani, and I think... I think Ben Goodrich has one as well, but I'm maybe mistaken about that one. Is Zia McCorkey's novel out? Yet? Oh, Zia. It might be. I, I don't, don't remember, remember if Zia's is Further Confusion or Furry Fiesta. Well, it, it's one of those two. At it least. is. It, yeah. So it's coming out this this quarter. Uh, this quarter, yeah, to be businessy, and uh, and we have a pretty good writing track too. I'm on everything. <laughs> I'm on like yeah. I'm on like I think four panels. I'm doing a dialogue panel, and we're going to try to make that a little bit interactive. I was talking to NotTube about it, and uh, we're going to try to do a little dialogue exercise. So if you feel like um, we're going to just talk for the first half hour, 40 minutes or so. So you can show up to that and then leave if you don't want to do the exercise later. But we have an hour and a half, so we figured we got to fill it somehow. Yeah. And then the how to stop thinking about writing and start writing. I'm going to also have people bring little notebooks and try to do some exercises and if possible we may try to drag you up on some of those panels i was going to say i think right now the only writing track panel i'm slated for officially is the unsheathed podcast one right say I'm, I'm, I'm way too social well not not tubes only slated for one but he asked me if he could be helper on the dialogue panel because he wants to talk about that i don't want to blow your otter quotient <laughs> don't you the look on your face there was worth the price of admission. Uh, anyhow, and I'm also on uh, character, no, making your stories furry with Not yeah. Tube and Claire Bell, which is kind of cool. I have a book of hers from way back when, 
And I'm on some other panel too, which I forget what it is, but I'll figure it out. Um, oh, it was, now I'm doing my reading, I'm doing the podcast. The other one was one that I didn't think I could do any. There was five. I'm on six. Or is it six? Yeah, I'm on six. Maybe I wasn't counting the podcast. Anyway. I don't remember. It's all, it's, it's all on it's, my live it's, journal. It's, it's all in Kyle's live journal. KyleGold.LiveJournal.com. So go take a look there. I tell you what you should bring and where and when they are. Um, so we're going to have a lot of fun. It's going to be great. And uh, we have a huge backlog of questions. Thank you all for writing in. We're very excited to see all that interest in the show, and it means we got to step up our game and get through these. Yeah, I've been getting a lot of good feedback just from people saying, hey, I love the show, which makes me happy. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's always great to hear because, you know, when we sit here, all the only audience we have normally is Kit. He's a very attentive audience and appreciates us. And uh, Did I tell you that one of our listeners actually correctly guessed who our audience of one was at our last episode? Wow, no. Yeah. First try, too. Which listener was it? I'll tell you later. Okay. All right. Well, we got a couple... Uh, we got a couple letters from people uh, on the topic of relationships and writing. And we got a couple random letters from people going to Furry Fiesta, which is kind of cool. Um, because I'm going to be a guest of honor at Furry Fiesta. We've been talking about that. And I'll and, be an attendee at Furry Fiesta. And we are uh, going to do an Unsheathed podcast at Furry Fiesta as well. Yeah, back to back. Um, so that's going to be cool. It's a great couple of months for us. And then we have a couple more random letters, which hopefully we'll be able to get to. So I'm going to start off, and we will uh, get right in. Greetings. Your recent discussions on the effects writing can have in relationships brought up an intriguing issue. I used to be in a relationship with someone who wrote fanfics and thought they were a good writer. Yet they admitted to never reading books, and their emails and live journal posts were often disjointed and sometimes wholly incomprehensible. Spelling and grammar were poor, sentence and paragraph structure were flawed, and sometimes there would be no coherent direction at all. They read more like a typed free association exercise than intelligible communication. However, they occasionally mentioned the stories they wrote and their opinion that their writing had been quite good. Fortunately, I never had to critique any of their work, but it raises an interesting point. If your partner wanted your opinion on their writing, and they thought it was pretty good stuff, while you thought it could use a little improvement in the same way the Hindenburg could have used a fire sprinkler, how would you handle that? <laughs> Is there a constructive synonym for sucks... Or would pleading the fifth be the least hurtful, if undiplomatic, way out? Much thanks for your answers and for the podcast. Keep up the good work both in print and on the air. Sincerely, name withheld to protect the incoherent. Well, name withheld, I think you should be the writer because that Hindenburg analogy was, that was great. That was quite quite an awesome metaphor. Yes. Um, yeah, I enjoyed that quite a bit. It's... It's really tough. I liked your comment when we were first talking about the letter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Does this story make me look fat? Yes. That's that's sort of what it comes down to is there's a trade-off of how much do you want to hurt the person's feelings. If it weren't for the fact that you were talking about somebody that you're romantically involved with, I would say call this person out on just being full of themselves. But obviously you need to be more diplomatic than that in this case. Yeah, it's it's a tricky line and it depends on yeah. it depends on the relationship. I mean, probably the most diplomatic way to go about it would be to just to say, "Look, you know, I don't want to get into a whole critique of your work and stuff. If you really want to, you know, if you really want my honest opinion and you want to improve, then let's talk about a few things that maybe you could work on and don't dive right in with, "Well, your work sucks." Yeah. Um one of the things that we talk about in critique group, and I think this is a valuable exercise for anyone asked an opinion on anything, really. Um, the first thing that you have to say about a story that you're critiquing is find the positives in it. Yeah. And there are a few things that I've read that I haven't been able to find anything positive to say about. Yeah, I, I actually can't think of anything. I mean, at the very least, you can say this shows a lot of imagination. And it and most things yeah. do. I mean, people rarely people rarely go about writing something without having some measure of imagination, for good or for ill. For <laughs> right, I've read things where I kind of wish the imagination was a little bit limited, but we're not going to go into that. 
we could do a whole podcast on. The problem with doing a public forum on bad writing is I've not figured out a way to talk about the bad writing I've read without mentioning the specific examples, and I don't really want to do that because I don't want to call people out for specifically this reason. Yeah. But anyway, so I would say, I mean, you can always you can always find something positive. So if someone asks about the work, mention the things that you like, and then depending on the level of trust that you have, start with something small. Say, you know, spelling and punctuation, they're pretty important. And maybe you could work on that. If you're in a relationship, say, you want me to edit your stuff for spelling and punctuation before you send it out. And that way you're kind of helping. Yeah. Although you might be sort of handcuffing yourself to the bedpost at that point too, depending on what how prolific this person is. But Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's again, it depends on how much you don't, you don't want to invest in it. And if if it's a relationship that means a lot to you, and then the person's opinion of their own writing is going to be something that's valuable to you as well. That's true. You don't want, you know, that, I know that you don't ever want someone to feel worse about themselves because of something you did. So if you can say, you know, I really like X and Y about your writing, um, if you wanted to work on it and polish it up a bit, I'd love to help you out with that. Yeah. And, you know, here's a few things we could work on together. Yeah. And and also it would help to know how to be good about giving constructive criticism. Whereas instead of saying, oh, I don't like what you did with this, instead it's something like, you know, I think it would be better if you did, you know, this instead. You know, sort of give, you know, guidance along with your, you know, picking apart at things so it's a, you're at least presenting you know an option and you know laying forth a suggestion rather than just levying you know negative feedback yeah exactly and so, if all else fails put story critique into part of your prenup <laughs> yeah that would be know. my other suggestion <laughs> there's just uh there might be just some areas that the you agree not to talk about in the relationship like, you know, you go off, you have your writing career, and I don't talk about that, and uh, you don't talk about my cross-dressing. <laughs> I was going to say, you don't talk about my sleeping with other people behind your back, but <laughs> I think yours is actually funnier. <laughs> you don't talk about me sleeping with better writers behind your back. <laughs> go ahead and read your question. Stop thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, you can see it in my eyes, can't you? <laughs> so this comes from uh, Storm Kitty, who, despite... Kyle wanting to put words into my mouth is apparently not a twinky little faggot, but uh, so he writes in episode 19, you asked for input about writers partners. I can relate my own experiences. I'm divorced now, but I was married when I started writing. I was only able to convince my wife to read a couple of my stories, which by the way, were not above a PG rating. And I think she only did it to placate me, not from any actual interest in the stories. I eventually stopped asking, as it became clear she had no interest in what I was writing. When I later wrote Erotica, I decided to do it secretly for fear of her reaction, and despite the circumstances managed to produce a short novel-length story. My fear proved to be well-founded when I later found out how revolting she found any and all furry Erotica to be, and that was just based on her having a general idea of what I was reading. I did at one point tell her I had written an erotic story, but never told her what it was called or what pen name I had written it under, so I'm pretty sure she never read it. It would not have oh sorry, it would have been so much nicer to have a spouse who was interested in what I wrote, both the adult and non adult stuff, and who would critique it, offer encouragement, it'd probably me to keep writing more instead of some of the other time wasting activities I tend to spend too much of my time on. And I'd do the same for her if she were also a writer. If and when I find another partner, it will have to be someone who I can be totally open with about my writing. It would also be nice if she wanted to try some of the stuff in my erotic writing rather than becomes disgusted with me because of it. Storm Kitty. I, I can I can totally sympathize with the um, writing erotic stuff that you would enjoy trying with your partner. 
Yeah. Although I would take that in a case by case basis. Do not just pick a random story of mine and assume that that's what I would want to be into. Well, and the only reason I'm saying that is because I have, what, 70 some stories out up on Yif Furry So Star or whatever it's called now. The Yifternets. Yeah. And uh, so I'm fairly confident people will not assume that, you know, Kit and I role play Yif in a gender change and magical winged horse. <laughs> Maybe to you. No. Uh, so first, you know, condolences on, you know, the, this relationship not working out for one. It sounds like you know, if you got divorced, then maybe the lacking an interest in writing probably, you know, is, it kind of, yeah, yeah. He, not, he doesn't mention the reasons, but yeah. it kind of well, no, feels no, no. like... Just, okay, it's probably just a part of a number of other problems that he doesn't get into and doesn't need to. Right, it kind of feels like if it's one of those things where you get together for one reason and then find that there's six other reasons why you shouldn't be together and the they all kind of exacerbate each other. And, yeah. Um, but no, That's unfortunate. But. It is. I'm sorry to hear that. And uh, I do hope you find a partner who's sympathetic and interested in your writing yeah and like what i was saying when this topic first came up this would be an important point for me too i mean if somebody just were to tell me you know during the getting to know you phase of you know preliminating dating and whatnot just like oh yeah i'm not really into writing and that sort of thing doesn't interest me that would probably be a sign that i might not necessarily want to take things more seriously with that person because that's a huge part of my life and not being able to share that with somebody would almost certainly be a deal breaker. Uh, I, I think that's true for both of us, but yeah. I will say that we know people in relationships who have um, very few things in common, but they're not, I wouldn't say that, well, they share a few kind of core things. Right. And so... But for me, writing is one of my core things. Yeah. And so, in that case... I think it would be possible for someone to be in a relationship and say, you know, and I don't think it would be possible for me or for you. Right. Um, <laughs> is it, uh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> is that symbolic that? Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, mm. wow yeah. We may need to edit this out. <laughs> I just think it was very amusing that we're talking about yes, relationships. Yes, exactly. And... Yes. Wow. <laughs> okay. Kit has his symbol of our love back on now, so we're uh, we're okay. I can I can talk freely again, I suppose. Um, All as it should be. The status quo has yes, been restored. I love you too, honey. Um. Yeah, so but I I do think I do think it would be possible for someone who was a writer to be with someone who was not right and who was not interested in it as long as they shared enough. And it it came back I'm I'm sure we said something like this earlier where it's you know if they're not interested in writing but they appreciate that you are and they appreciate how important it is to you. Right. And they're like, "Well, I won't read your stuff, but I'll go with you, you know, I'll work with you with publishers or, you know, if you get your stuff published, I'll go with right. you to conventions and attend the panels and I'll be happy for you and, you know, do all that stuff. I, I mean, I could see that working, but yeah. And it sounds like, you know, in, in storm Kitty's case, this is a point where, you know, that is an important thing. And it sounds like, you know, he has having, you know, been through that where this wasn't a shared interest has realized that, yeah, no, that, that is more important that this be one of those things. And, you know, I mean, that's perfectly legitimate, I think. Yep. yep. If that's what's important to you, I mean, if if anything is what's important to you in a partner, then you know, put that on your sort of mental checklist. Yeah, exactly. I agree. All right. Um, I think that's that's all of our relationship talking for this podcast. So we got a few more questions. Follow ups. You can write into Notcast. Yeah, and I, I please do. Um. Okay. This is from 1X. That's spelled the letter, the number one spelled out, and then the capital X. I met 1X at uh, Anthrocon. 
Oh, did you? Yeah, he's a nice guy. He's coming to first yesterday. He's the the only person I know who has a bee avatar. Yeah, I I, I know two insect persona people. Well, I do too, but everyone knows one of them. I must be missing somebody very obvious. Uncle Kagi. Oh, okay, I know three. <laughs> I was thinking of Grillis. Oh, I don't know if I know. Um. Oh wait, she's an artist. She's yeah. yeah. She's she like in Utah. Uh, I don't know where she's from, but she comes to further confusion. Okay, she. I, I might have met her. All right. Anyway, one X writes. One quick thing: when you are discussing other authors or works of fiction, could you please try to restate the author and/or title of the work at the end of the discussion? I keep a notebook handy to write these things down in, but I don't know if something is intriguing until after you discuss it. I know it is by no means a great inconvenience to have to rewind the podcast a couple minutes, so I'll survive either way. Colon P. Thank you very much for the great cast. It has been an integral addition to Keep Me Sane During Long Lonely Hours in the Lab podcast repertoire. I love how more recently you've gotten audience members involved using things like NaNoWriMo. I've myself been playing with a story idea for a while, but I've taken the next step and started committing those ideas to Notebook. As described, I have plenty of seemingly acceptable excuses for things I ought to be doing instead of writing, but realistically, I'd like to have the thing in a presentable form within 12 months. And one more thing. For some silly reason, I'm going to be flying my butt all the way down from Canada to attend Furry Fiesta. I look forward to attending your panel and resting some signatures from your paws. Best regards, 1X. Well, I hear there's going to be plenty of alcohol at Furry Fiestas. So. Yeah, that seems to be one of their traditions. So yeah, that'll be that'll be cool. Uh, well, we look forward to seeing you there, and yeah. uh, I'm certain I will. As I say many times, I will sign whatever people put in front of me, <laughs> even if it's not mine. I was thinking about how at Furry Fiesta last year, everyone but you signed a copy of your book. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Oh, I, and also. I will I will add, as long as it's not illegal to be putting it in front of me in a public place, just to head off that right. particular avenue. Um, but yeah, thank you for the comments. Um, thank you very much. We're uh, we will continue to try to get audience members to write in and um, and participate. And so one of the things we're going to do is, if you're setting down your uh, your story. And you're going to start writing, and your goal is 12 months. Uh, we're going to start the clock ticking yeah. mid-January. So keep us posted and uh, you know, write in as you make your progress yeah. and let us know how your story's going. And you know what? I'm actually pretty confident that come next January, you and I will still be doing this. So. I, I, I believe so, too, which is kind of cool. As far as uh, restating the author and or title of the work, one of the things we try to do, and this is my job and I often fail at it, is we try to put things into the story notes in the journals on FA, when uh, when I post the podcast, I try to write down any pertinent information that was in the podcast. Right. Uh, I often forget. Sometimes I put wines up there, and I thought that the time we put the Blender's book recommendations up, I the URL thought I put yeah. them in the notes, but I might not. I have. believe you did. Um, but we should we should think of somewhere where we could just keep. Book recommendations and other stuff um, we talk about. We could use our profile on FA. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. All right. Done. That's a static page that's there. And if any of uh, if any of y'all have recommendations for other things you'd like us to do, uh, information you'd like us to keep online, uh, write in. Let yeah. us know. And uh, you see how quickly change happens. Yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and good luck with your idea there, yeah. Wax. Yeah. Best of luck, and I look forward to meeting you at Furry Fiesta. All right. And I've got another question here. Good afternoon, Mr. Fox and Mr. Otter. Congrats on the success of the podcast so far. I finally caught up with the last few episodes today, and I have loved all of them, especially the live shows. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I'm a big fan of our live shows as well. Aside from making my drive a little more bearable, you two have given me a wealth of advice on writing, and it has gotten to the point where I don't think I can simply ignore the bit of my subconscious telling me to write something down. I'll set out to write a story in the upcoming weeks and see where it leads me, but I just wanted to thank you guys for the advice and the bit of motivation to get something written. I'll keep you posted on how that goes. Well, I hope you do so, and you know, good luck with the idea. I you think that if should, you're, hmm? you know, what we should do is um, somewhere on maybe on RFA page or somewhere else. 
Uh, we should keep a list of the, our listeners who are <laughs> doing writing projects and what their goals are. So-and-so has promised to write X amount of words by X date. Yeah. It'll be like NaNoWriMo, only more public and evil. And, and <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if that's what people need to motivate them. I know that deadlines motivate me, so maybe being called out in public will help motivate our listeners. And I have some other secrets to help you get writing, which... I will be revealing at the panel on further confusion. Ooh. Now for an actual question. When starting a story with an idea, how slash when do you know if it will pan out to be something worthwhile? Do you realize it halfway through writing or afterwards when rereading the drafts? I know there's no big flashing neon sign that says, start over, stupid, but I'm wondering if there are any questions you can ask yourself about the plot or story to check if it's decent enough to continue working on. Any help would be most appreciated. So have fun with that one, guys, and I look forward to the next episode. Also looking forward to potentially seeing you at Furry Fiesta. A fellow fox, Delfer. Well, Furry Fiesta is a small enough con. I hope you run into us. Yeah, I'm certain we will. Yeah. Uh, I actually have a neon sign that says, start over. Yeah, I was going to say, I do too. Yeah, Kit Kit bought it for me for my birthday last year. So (laughs) I think Um, I stole it from you. (laughs) (laughs) So he says, you know, how do you know? It's like... Is it halfway through or is it afterwards? I think it's it's both. Sometimes I'll get partway through a story and I go, uh, this isn't really working for me and I'll either try to rework it or I'll just give up and not finish it, which I've done a few times. And uh, actually just recently back in like November or October or so, I had this story idea and I finished writing a whole draft of it. And I was like, yeah, that didn't really go anywhere. Mm. And that has since gone unedited, unrewritten. <laughs> it has actually gone nowhere. Yeah, it has actually said. it has actually gone nowhere, and not not even Kyle has read it. So nope. that shows you all how uh, how little I think of it that I don't even show it to him, and I send him all of my crap. He does, but I'm happy to read it. Ah, um, and I'm happy yeah, to read I... your crap, except you don't write crap. So, <laughs> damn it! How do you do that? Uh attend further confusion, and I'll tell you. Um, Tell me your secrets, Kyle. Or attend Furry Fiesta. FurryFiesta.org. Dallas, Texas, February 20... No, 19th through 21st. 19th through 21st, yes. Um, so, I, I've been I've been doing this for a while now, and early on I wrote some stories. I had to write them down because I thought, oh, I've got this great idea to start with, and I'm going to do something with it. Um, and sometimes they, sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't work. What was really good practice for me was the, I've mentioned this a few times, the erotic furry writing challenge where you're given some story elements and you have to complete a story in a week or three weeks. Yeah. Um, because you don't really have time to sit and think work out all the angles you just have to write and sometimes you can't overanalyze right and sometimes it's good sometimes it's not good and i wrote some you know the better ones i've posted online the other ones i haven't and you got some good ones out of that i did i enjoyed them um i've gotten to the point now where i don't start writing something until i'm fairly confident in how it's going to go because i usually have enough ideas kicking around in my head that i don't need to i'm I'm not like i'm desperate for something to write i've the last thing I need is more story ideas. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I'm right now working on... Well, I just finished the novella, which is coming out at Furry Fiesta. I'm writing... Spoiler alert, it's really good. I'm writing a novel. I'm writing a short story, which I don't quite know what I'm going to do with, but I'm enjoying the hell out of it. I have an idea for another short story. I have two ideas for novels, which are which I keep jotting down notes on so you know a lot of these things you know i'm actually only working on i finished one story i'm working on two others and i'm sort of in the planning stages of like four or five other stories so some of these stories oh, i am writing the one in my my handwritten one also but anyway the ones that are in the planning stages if they never get to a point where i feel comfortable starting out I, I usually try not to start a story till I'm pretty sure where I know where it's going to end. Yeah. And if I have a beginning and an end, then I'm pretty sure I can figure out the middle. Yeah. And I know it's going to go somewhere. So generally, if it 
for for me now, if it doesn't get out of the planning stage, then I don't start writing it. Yeah, I have a notebook, uh, which you actually gave me as a Christmas present one year, mm-hmm. um, which is full of story beginnings, where it's an idea of this is what the story would be about, this would be the setup for it, and. I haven't done anything but write down those ideas. I haven't started to try to write them. I haven't started to sketch them out. I'm just sort of waiting someday for me to figure out what, you know, I have A, and once I think of B and C, I'll probably write them. Mm-hmm. But I just I haven't done that yet, and I've been busy. And, and I will say that the one exception to that rule that I can think of recently was, well, okay, so I'm, I had a couple exceptions, because the novella, that I just finished didn't didn't start out having a specific ending. It started out as kind of a gimmick, and then the which way I think I inspired you with, which you did inspire me with. Um, so you can then, kind of thank me for that one, guys, when you read it. You can thank him a lot at Furry Fiesta. Oh, uh, you can thank me as much as you want with mojitos and beer. Yes. Um. Or the no, that was a, the. Rain City Punch was Seattle, wasn't it? Yes, which I'm debating whether or not. Although the dingo was from Texas. Or or was he? Or was he? Because he he says Dallas at one point and then Austin at the other point. That's true. So he might be. But they were both in Texas. Um, Anyhow. Uh, So the novel started out as just a gimmick, and then the characters developed so much over the course of the gimmick that they required a couple more pieces to wrap up their story. Um, the other one that I'm handwriting in my notebook, which I, I think I posted a picture on Twitter when I was, we were visiting, uh, out in the Midwest. Um, that one, just the idea hit me and I knew right away there was no question. I don't, I still don't know what the exact ending to the story is, but I know what the main character's problem is. And I know what journey he needs to make to solve it. I don't know what's going to happen at the end of it, but I know it's going to be an interesting story. So I went I, ahead and started writing it, and it's just going to be one of those like those are the rare gems, and I treasure those stories almost more than others. Yeah, those are those but, are really my, my stories are like my children. I kind of love them all, except for the ones that I don't. Right. There's some of the ones where I look at and go, "I am so disappointed in you." And some of them give you a lot more trouble than others. Yeah. Uh that uh does that answer the question i think so we're talking about you know whether to know you have a good idea or not i mean if you don't have a good idea then you know maybe you don't table it and all right think on something else yep well thank you for the kind words about the podcast we intend to keep doing these for a while and uh look forward to seeing you at furry fiesta yeah uh oh my my turn now so yeah okay hey kyle and hirosaki-san your friendly neighborhood drawing writing and podcasting dragon here Good news! I'm writing a graphic novel, and once it is written, I will also be illustrating it. Now, I know that you guys are not too much into writing for the graphic novel medium, but I'm wondering if there are any tips you have for someone who is going to be writing a graphic novel. I also know that having well-established three-dimensional characters is important. Dialogue is also important, but is there any other tips that come to mind? I would love to hear your feedback. Cheers and Happy New Year's, Dragon Man Mike. Dragon Man Mike is part of the team from Anthromedia Podcasts, who interviewed me at Rain First, and are... Very nice, north of the border. Um, they were quite pleasant to be around and, and a lot of fun. And he's also on Twitter, although I forget exactly what his name is on Twitter. But um, at any rate, uh, I I did some scripting for a graphic novel recently, and I'm we're still I'm still working with the artist on it. Uh, a lot of the same conventions apply as they would to a normal story. Uh, the three dimensional characters. Uh, the, you know, engaging plot. You have, there's some interesting things you can do with a graphic novel because you can show things in the background that you don't have to mention specifically. Right. And one of the cool things about a visual medium like comics or movies is where in text, if I want to say, you know, uh, so here's one of the best examples. In I, I love the Tintin oh, yeah. books. So there's a Tintin comic where they meet a new character. And when you look back through the comic, he's smiling, he's happy all the time. 
And about partway through the book, he starts to become more worried and more quiet and more withdrawn. And it turns out there's a secret. And at the end, they mention, oh, when we first met him, he was smiling and happy. And then and you go back through the book and you're like, wow, I didn't even notice that. Whereas if you were writing that as a story, you would have to put in a lot of stuff about he smiled, he was yeah. smiling, he was happy. And then, oh, he looked more It'd concerned. It would always be too obvious. Right. Yeah. And then you'd have to put in, you know, did the characters think about why he's like that? You'd have to do it subtly and then it's hard to go back. And in visual storytelling, you can get away with those things really easily, really subtly, really quickly. Um, I think the other thing about writing for a graphic novel is that it's almost sort of like a a test of how good of a writer you are because you're not working on narrative prose, but you have to be good at narrative storytelling. Yeah. And to be able to hit those points and to hit those notes. And um, my Mercantic series that I wrote many, many years ago at this point uh, there were several times where people had discussed the potential of, oh, I think this would make a great graphic novel. And at first I was like, oh, that that would be an idea. Let me see if I could do that. And I realized that the kind of story that that is, it's very internalized. It's very, cere- no, I don't want to say it's very cerebral. It's very mental. A lot of what's going on takes place inside the characters' heads, which I don't think those kinds of stories are necessarily that well suited for a graphic novel medium. Yeah. Which is why I've never seriously worked on that idea. I'm assuming that you've read um, the Scott McCloud books on comics. Um, I'm familiar not with you, them, at least. Po- I mean, Dragon Man Mike. If oh, okay. <laughs> if he's trying to write a graphic novel, um, I'm I'm hoping he's read Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics. Um, that's the That was the main one that I read, which is... It's at least know that one. Really cool. Um, he has two more since then. There's... Reinventing comics, and I forget the other one. I'm looking at Kit. Kit doesn't know either. Um, but understanding comics really digs into the heart of how to tell a graphic story and why, what things make graphic novels unique. Um, there's a lot of stuff like, you know, things that happen between panels. Yeah. Um, things that pacing is a lot different in a graphic novel. That would be. I think the second after dialogue, that would be the thing that I would say you need to pay the most attention to is pacing of your story. Yeah, the proper use of like silent beats and that right. sort of thing, and how quickly action moves along because right. that's in a novel that's a little more. It's less uh, on the surface. Yeah, in a graphic novel, it's tangible. It's right on the page. Yeah, and if if you have like a page in a novel where there's no dialogue and you still can't tell what's going on despite what the pictures are showing you, then there's probably a problem with the way it's been set up. If you can... No, if you if, can't tell. If you cannot tell what's going yeah. on, even without dialogue. I agree. I mean, there are plenty of great comics and graphic stories that don't even have any words at all. It's just told visually, and some of those are beautiful. And then there are some you know things where I'm just... you know There will be like a couple of pages in a larger graphic work where there's no dialogue and you're sort of like seeing like the characters doing something, but because of the pacing of what you're showing in the panels, it's, it's like, I can't fall. There's not enough for me to fill in the blanks, whatever. It's like, right. I don't know what's going on here and right. there's no words to help me with what's going on. And, and you also kind of, I, I, we'll wrap this up quick. We have one more letter and yeah, I, I think his question wasn't too involved. No, so. I can, I can, but can um, the one other thing I want to say also is use the comic, medium you were talking about internalized stories right um it's kind of it's i like seeing comics where the character where the comic is part of the story and it's not just a stage where the story takes place yeah make use of the medium right because if it's just a bunch of talking heads and huge word balloons filled with dialogue i mean you go back to like dave sim with cerebus did you ever I I haven't actually read it, but I've it was sort of I wasn't into that. The sort early of thing ones, at the, the time, early but... ones are terrific. They're great comics. Yeah, no, you've told me about them They're before. Beautiful uses of the medium and and all that. And then later he he falls in love with his own prose style, and yeah. so he'll have comics that are like one illustrated panel and then a whole mess of text down the middle and then another illustrated panel, and it's just um like this isn't why I'm yeah, why, a why comic book, and also you're yeah. not as good a writer as you think you are, but. Um, but he, I mean, that said, he is a good writer, so I can't take that away from him, but let's finish up. All right. Our last email here is from, uh, 
from Rifka of uh, Rabbit Valley. Yeah, Rifka. Hi, Rifka. So he says, happy Saturday. Well, it's Saturday as I type this message, but you can feel free to replace the day with that of the day when you read this message. It's which Saturday will... in Chicago. Yeah, and uh, in Japan. I want to thank you for putting the time and effort into the Unsheathed podcast, and I truly do enjoy listening to you banter back and forth with each other, and the advice you give on writing is very well thought out. Well, thank you. Technically, it's not really thought out. We just sort of say whatever off the top of our heads, but thanks. Thank you. (laughs) I guess that just means we have a natural rapport. Perhaps you can assist me a little in my writing. Oh, yes. You see, I am a published author of articles in scientific and medical publications. With six articles picked up in five different publications to date. Congratulations. But have a hard time <laughs> making that tra- rapport. <laughs> There's our rapport. But I have a hard time making the transition to nonfiction. I think, Wait, he, means I think he means to fiction. Yeah. Writing about soldiers in deserts of Middle East and their need for emergency eyewash stations or the various methods of a molecular pathology laboratory can come easily to me. But writing about characters, regardless of the situation, poses something of a challenge. My day job has positioned me to be a regular contributor to an industry publication house, meaning more writing work for me. I know that I'll be able to research, write, and edit the feature-length articles with ease, but I can't seem to get more than a few hundred words of any fiction story down on paper before throwing my paws up in defeat. Dialogue seems to be one of my biggest challenges. Perhaps more people watching and listening is, perhaps more people watching and listening is in order. I read a fair deal of fiction and simply adore your collective works. Perhaps I should attend more writing workshops. Any thoughts or suggestions? Sincerely, Rifka. Well, I would say you should attend panel on writing dialogue at Further Confusion. Except I don't think he's going. Is he not? No. I thought he was. No, because uh, Rabbit Valley has Fur Planet selling their stuff oh, this year. Oh, okay. So. Well, all the more well, reason last. he could show up and not have to be stuck in the dealer's room. <laughs> Rifka, you have several days. Come to further confusion. Ah, we can tempt you with alcohol. I know you drink alcohol. I've seen you do it. And coffee. Um, I have not personally seen you drink alcohol or coffee, but I'm, I've heard secondhand. Oh, the stories. <laughs> oh, the salacious stories on Twitter. No, uh, but... Um... Hirosaki has regaled me with so many tales. Oh, and you can wonder how he's spelling that. Yes, you can. But yeah, so writing fiction and writing nonfiction. Um, historically, I or not historically, but you know, personal history. Uh, I used to have to do a bunch of nonfiction, you know, technical scientific writing myself at some point in my life. And nonfiction writing and fiction writing are, in fact, two completely different disciplines. Yeah. Other than the fact that you need to know proper English grammar and syntax and whatnot, beyond that, it's apples and oranges. Like you know, they're both fruits, but once you do that, it's just okay. Yeah. Where do you go from there? Nonfiction writing, in my experience, has to be as uninteresting as possible. Yes, and it's almost that was what was so hard for me is I had to make it painfully uninteresting. Yeah. <laughs> you um, know, you have to suck all the soul and personality out of it so it's scientifically valid. Yeah, I, and I yeah. Kit, Kit has a good point. I wouldn't say necess- I wouldn't say we say uninteresting kind of as a blanket description. Um, what what I mean actually is closer to what you said: soulless and dead. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I say, as, as far as scientific work goes, I mean, I, I have read plenty of nonfiction that is actually very interesting. Well, that's true. I mean, I'm a huge. But he was fan talking of... scientific and medical articles, which right. are. Very fact based, yeah. And, Articles you know, is what I was thinking of, yeah. Yeah, no, but, like, you know, um, stuff you know, like you know, like Jared, Carl Sagan and Jared Stephen Diamond. Hawking and that sort of thing. It, yeah. That's very interesting, and you know, um, actually, but just, the, they're telling stories. They are. They're and and they're you know like the Jared Diamond stuff about civilizations. He's constructing a story, and he shapes the facts to make it an interesting story. So it's a little bit different from writing a medical article where you're, the purpose of writing the article is simply to convey a set of facts and the audience is already plugged in to want to read it. Um, I would be interested to hear, because he mentions dialogue, but mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be interested to hear what exactly he feels his roadblocks are to write in fiction. Yeah. Like what frustrates him when he's, 
you know, when he gets that 200 words or 300 words in, why does he stop? Is yeah. it just, you know, he can't imagine what people would say? Or is it he's... I, I have a feeling that when you're conditioned to write a lot of dry technical articles about factual circumstances, that it's difficult to switch to writing something where not only do you not have to know all the facts, but you actually should not reveal all the facts, even if you do know them. Right. I think that in a very real sense, he's actually got a leg up on a lot of other aspiring writers in that, you know, he knows for a fact, you know, by virtue of having had articles published, which is a, you know, something to certainly be proud of, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the technical aspects of knowing how the English language works, like, that's not something he has to worry about. Right. And that's not true of everyone. Some people need to worry, like, like is my writing technically competent? And I think that he Clearly, can rest going, assured that it is. Going back to our first letter. Yeah. And, you know, so, I mean, knowing that that's not an issue, at that point, you know, it's more of a matter of, okay, you know, what sort of stories do you want to tell? What's going to inspire you to write it? And, you know, if you do have a roadblock, you know, what's what's putting that in your way? I think that, I mean, certainly, like, if you have an idea and you, if, are you shaking on, okay, this idea, like, I don't know where it's going to go, or, oh, I have a great idea, but I don't think I'm going to do it justice. I mean, th- those are different problems. And so I think that, you know, identifying the source of the problem and then either trying to work with it or trying, you know, write around it, you know, whatever's going to get the words out onto the page, you know, most readily. And again, the advice that we keep mentioning on our show is, you know, not to be afraid of the fact that your first draft is going to need to be rewritten because it's going to need to be rewritten. And, you yeah. know, don't, uh, don't kid yourself that it isn't and don't feel ashamed that you're going to have to do that. And I, I was just having a conversation with someone who's been writing for um, not much less time than I have who still is having trouble with that. So There, there are know, plenty of stories start it. writing and get hung people up People struggle with that all yeah. the time. But... I mean, the the other thing, the the main general piece of advice we can give you is just keep writing. Um, you know, if you get stuck on a scene, switch and do something else. Give yourself short fiction assignments. There's a whole bunch of writing workshop books that have really short assignments, like um, describe. You know, when you're when you find yourself just sitting in an area, describe a scene. Yeah. Um, like you say in your letter, do. Uh, watch and listen to people, um, sit in a public area and just listen to the snatches of conversation and how people talk as yeah. they walk by you. And That's very write, revealing. And write down, the reason you should write this down, all right, I'm going to tip a little bit of our dialogue panel, but the reason you should write down what people say instead of just listening is you will have a tendency to change the words you hear into the kinds of words that you expect to hear when you try to tell the story again later. Yeah. And think, think of your... Oh, go on. Sorry. No, so I was just going to say, it's important that you develop an ear to listen to exactly the words that were said and write those down. And you'll be surprised when you try to remember it later. You'll remember it differently than you wrote it down because yeah. your brain reprocesses it to be more in line with what you'd expect. Yeah. And I think another thing that comes to mind when you're thinking of character voice and the importance of it and the ways to differentiate it is, you know, think of a particular joke or, you know, something along those lines and then imagine how different friends of yours, now imagine how different friends of yours would tell that same joke and, you know, how they would phrase it differently or how they would, you know, change the way that they deliver it. You're you're being awful. I know. I heard that deliberately. I know you did. You, I'm trying to help Rifka. You bowled you you bowled through it quite effectively. I'm difficult to phase. That that's actually no, a not. that's a blatant lie. That is a lie. It's As like, longtime listeners of the yes, podcast know. All I need to do is say my name and suddenly came here and he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> I don't even have to say your name, I just have to say <laughs> Kyle Gold, yeah. Fox with Coke. Yeah. Like, Chad, <laughs> is there a pop quiz? I didn't study for this. <laughs> my god well so anyway good luck with your writing thank you for all your work with rabbit valley also yeah and i mean if if you think that there's a particular type of roadblock that you have yeah with your stories right back back, in right back in
I took a drink because I thought you were going to be talking. No, I was just going to say right back in. Damn it. All right. Well, that uh, we got we got through like double our quota of letters and only ran a little bit over time. Yeah, I think that it's okay to do a little longer because we have our pre-con extravaganza. Kids, we only ran a little over our time. Yeah, by wolf standards. I, I don't care. How, I know how big you are, Kit. You don't have to show Hirosaki as well. <laughs> Hey, man, I wrote that shit. <laughs> uh, our email address is unsheathedpodcast at gmail.com. We are also unsheathed on FA. Mm-hmm. I am Kyle on FA, and I post most of my updates to kylegold.livejournal.com. And you can find me pretty much equally at uh, Cam Hirosaki at LiveJournal, Cam underscore Hirosaki at FA. And I've uh, taken to oh, yeah. Twittering. And we're both too. on Twitter. I'm yeah. Kyle Gold on Twitter. Yeah, and Cam Hirosaki. And thank you, as always, for writing in. We appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, we're looking forward to meeting a bunch of y'all at uh, For the Confusion and Furry Fiesta, where uh, we're going to have some unsheathed swag, courtesy of our tech-savvy, marketing-savvy wolf. Uh, and also at Further Confusion, we're going to debut some CDs of Unsheathed where um trying to raise a little bit of money to defray some of the cost of equipment we've sunk into the podcast. And uh, in order to make it so that you're not just giving us money for something you could download off the internet, uh, both Hirosaki-san yeah. and I read uh, already published stories of ours. Yeah. It's not just bonus content. It's sexy bonus content. It is. And in my case, it's uh, listen to Kyle try to manage six or seven different accents in the same story content. And I have happy blowjobs. Yes. They're actually, very fittingly, they're both blowjob stories. Which, um, that's our raison d'etre. It, well, I don't know about that. Uh, uh, at least we know Kaz will appreciate them. Yes. Um, cause blowjob existentialist (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I believe at further confusion the CDs will be at or around the sofa wolf table Uh, at furry fiesta not sure yet Uh, hopefully fur planet will have oh I have a table at furry fiesta oh so they'll be at my table okay I didn't know that yeah apparently I'll be next to fur planet so they'll be near the fur planet table you might find me camped out there look for the bright green visor yes and uh, look for my stylish hat and I don't know what else I wear. Sunglasses? White jacket, sunglasses. I don't know. You'll find me. Listen um, for the accent. So come pick up the CDs if you want the bonus stories. They also have artwork from our pal Bobby No. And uh, we look forward to... I saw the preliminary artwork. <laughs> it's really good. The, uh, the next time you hear from us, we will be live at Further Confusion. All right. So we'll... Uh... See you there. I am Kame Hirasaki. And I am Kyle Gold. <laughs>